Hello, and welcome to this mini-episode of the Book Club Commune, hosted by me, Ivy Poesy. Today I'm going to be reading a much shorter work, um, which is called The Three Sources and Three Components of Marxism, which is written by Vladimir Lenin. I'm reading this part today because, in part because I am reading it for my own political organizing with a socialist or- organization I am a member of, so I thought maybe I might as well record myself reading it, just so it is also has an audio format for anyone else who might listen to it. This is the first time I'm reading it, so uh, I haven't really have any analysis of it. I'm just reading it verbatim as I come across it. I'm reading it off of Marxist.org, so here's a little background blurb that comes with it. This article was published in 1913 in a Russian name magazine, uh, and it was dedicated to the 13th, 30th anniversary of Marx's death. Uh, the Russian magazine's name in English means enlightenment and was a Bolshevist social, political, and literary monthly published legally in St. Petersburg from December 1911 onwards. Its inauguration was 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 proposed by Lenin to replace the Bolshevik journal Misl, which means thought, a Moscow publication banned by the Tsarist government. Lenin directed the work of the journal from abroad and wrote the following articles for it. The Fundamental Problems of the Election Campaign results of the election, critical remarks on the national question, the right of nations of self-determination, and others. The journal was suppressed by the Tsarist government in June 1914 on the eve of the First World War. Publication was resumed in autumn of 1917, but only one double number, number appeared. This number contained two articles by Lenin, Can the Bolsheviks Retain State Power, and A Review of the Party Program. So, sit back, listen, and I hope you enjoy this episode, this mini-episode, I should say, of the Book Club Commune. The Three Sources and Three Components, Component Parts of Marxism Throughout the civilized world, the teachings of Marx evoked the utmost hostility and hatred of all bourgeois science, both official and liberal, which regards Marxism as a kind of pernicious sect, and no other attitude is to be expected, for there can be no impartial social science in a society based on class struggle. In one way or another, all official and liberal sciences defend wage slavery, whereas Marxism has declared relentless war on that slavery. To expect science to be impartial in a wage slave society is as foolishly naive as to expect impartiality from manufacturers on the question of whether workers' wages ought not to be increased by decreasing the profits of capital. But this is not all. The history of of philosophy and the history of social science shows with perfect clarity that there is nothing resembling sectarianism in Marxism, in the sense of its being hidebound, petrified doctrine, and a doctrine which arose away from the high road of the development of world civilization. On the contrary, the genius of Marx consists precisely in his having furnished answers to questions already raised by the foremost minds of mankind. His doctrine emerged as the direct and immediate continuation of the teachings of the greatest representatives of philosophy, political economy, and socialism. The Marxist doctrine is omnipotent because it is true. It is comprehensive and harmonious and provides men with an integral world outlook irreconcilable with any form of superstition, reaction, or defense of bourgeois oppression. It is the legitimate successor 
to the best that men produced in the 19th century, as represented by the German philosophy, English political economy, and French socialism. It is these three sources of Marxism, which are also its component parts, that we shall outline in brief. 1. The philosophy of Marxism is materialism. Throughout the modern history of Europe, and especially at the end of the 18th century in France, where the resolute struggle was conducted against every kind of medieval rubbish, against serfdom and institution and ideas, materialism has proved to, proved to be the only philosophy that is consistent, true, to all teachings of natural sciences, and hostile to superstition, Kant, and so forth. The enemies of democracy have therefore always exerted all their effort to refute, undermine, and defame materialism, and have advocated various forms of philosophical idealism, which in one which always, in one way or another, amounts to the to the defense or support of religion. Marx and Engels defended philosophical materialism in the most determined manner and repeatedly explained how profoundly erroneous is every deviation from the basis. Their views are most clearly and fully formed on the expound and fully expounded in the works of Ingalls, Ludwig Feuerbach, and Andy During, which, like the Communist Manifesto, are the handbooks for every class-conscious worker. But Marx did not stop at 18th-century materialism. He developed to a higher level. He enriched it with the achievements of German classical philosophy, especially of Hegel's system, which in its turn led to the materialism of Feuerbach. The main achievements was dialectics, i.e. the doctrine of development in its fullest, deepest, and most comprehensive form, the doctrine of relativity, of the human knowledge that provides us with the reflection of eternally developing matter, the latest discoveries of natural science, radium, electrons, and the transmutation of elements have been a remarkable confirmation of Marx's dialectical materialism, despite the teachings of the bourgeois philosophers, with their new revision, reversions to old and decadent idealism. Marx deepened and developed philosophical materialism to the full, extended, full and, ex and extended the cognition of nature to include the cognition of human society. His historical materialism was a great achievement in the scientific thinking, the chaos of and arbitrariness that had previously reigned in views on history and politics were replaced by a strikingly integral and harmonious scientific theory, which shows how, in consequence of the growth of productive forces out of one system of social life, another and, another and higher system develops, how capital, in, for instance, grows out of feudalism. Just as one man's knowledge reflects nature, i.e. developing matter, which exists independently of him, so is man's social knowledge, i.e. his various views and doctrines, philosophical, religious, political, and so forth, reflect the economic system of society. Political institutions are a superstructure of the on the economic foundation. We see, for example, that the various political forms of the modern European states serve to strengthen the domination of the bourgeoisie over the proletariat. Marx's philosophy as a consummate philosophical materialism, which has provided mankind, and especially the working class, with powerful instruments of knowledge. 2. Having recognized that the economic system is the foundation on which the political superstructure is erected, Marx devoted his greatest attention to the study of this economic system. Marx's principal work, Capital, is devoted to the study of the economic system of modern, i.e. capitalist, society. 
Classical political economy, before Marx, evolved in England and the most developed of the capitalist countries. Adam Smith and David Ricardo, by their investigations of the economic system, laid the foundation for the labor theory of value. Marx continued their work. He provided a pr proof of the theory and deep developed it consistently. He showed that the value of every commodity is determined by the quantity of socially necessary labor time spent on the production. Where the bourgeois economists saw a relation between things, the exchange of one commodity for another, Marx revealed a relation between people. The exchange of commodities expresses the connection between individual producers through the market. Money signifies the connection, is becoming closer and closer, and separately uniting the entire economic life of the individual producers into one whole. Capital signifies a further development of this connection. Man's labor power becomes a commodity. The wage worker sells his labor power to the owner of land, factories, and instruments of labor. The worker spends one part of the day covering the cost of maintaining himself and his family wages, while the other part of the of the day he works without remuneration, creating for the capitalist surplus value, the source of profit, the source of wealth of the capitalist class. The doctrine of surplus value is the cornerstone of Marxist economic theory. Capital, created by the labor of the worker, crushes the worker, ruining small proprietors and creating an army of the unemployed. In industry, the victory of large-scale production is immediately apparent, but the same phenomena can, is also observed in agriculture, where the superiority of large-scale capitalist agriculture is enhanced, the use of machinery increases, and the peasant economy, trapped by money capital, declines and falls into ruin under the burden of its backward technique. The decline of small-scale produ scale production assumes different forms in agriculture, but the decline itself is an indisputable fact. By destroying small-scale production, capital leads to an increase in productivity of labor and the creation of a monopoly position for the associations of big capitalists. Production itself becomes more and more social. Hundreds of thousands and millions of workers become bound together in a regular economic organism. But the product of this collective labor is appropriated by a handful of capitalists. Anarchy of production, crises, the furious chase after markets, and the insecurity of the existence of mass production of the, of the mass of the population are intensified. By increasing the dependence of the workers on capital, the capitalist system creates the greatest power of unified labor. Marx traced the development of capitalism from embryonic commodity production from simple exchange to its higher form to large-scale production. And the experience of all capitalist countries, old and new, year by year demonstrates clearly the truth of this Marxian doctrine to increasing numbers of workers. Capitalism has triumphed over all of the world, but this triumph is only to prelude to the triumph of labor over capital. 3. When feudalism was overthrown and free capitalist society appeared in the world, it at once became apparent that this freedom meant a new system of oppression and exploitation of the working people. Various socialist doctrines immediately emerged as a reflection of it of, and protest against this oppression. Early socialism, however, was utopian socialism. It criticized capitalist society. It condemned and damned it and dreamed of its destruction. It had visions of a better order and endeavored to convince the rich of the, of the immorality of exploitation. But utopian socialism could not indicate that the real solution.
It could not explain the real nature of wage slavery under capitalism. It could not reveal the laws of capitalist development or show what social force is capable of becoming the creator of, of a new society. Meanwhile, the stormy revolutions which everywhere in Europe, especially in France, accompanied the fall of feudalism or of serfdom more and more clearly revealed the struggle of classes as the basis and the driving force of all development. Not a single victory of political freedom over the feudal class was won, except against the desperate resistance. Not a single capitalist country evolved on a more or less free and democratic basis, except by a life and death struggle between the various classes of capitalist society. The genius of Marx lies in having been the first to deduce from this lesson the world history the world history teaches and to apply that lesson consistently the deduction he made is the doctrine of the class struggle people have always been the foolish victims of deception and self-deception in politics and they will always will be until they have learned to seek out the interests of some class or other behind all moral religious political and social phase, phrases declarations and promises Champions of reforms and improvements will always be fooled by the defenders of the old order until they realize that every old institution, however, however barbarous and rotten it may appear to be, is kept going by the forces of certain ruling classes. And there is only one way of smashing the resistance of these classes, and that is to find in the very society which surround us the forces which can, and owing to their social positions, must constitute the power capable of sweeping away the old and creating the new, and to enlighten and organize those forces for the struggle. Marx, Marx's philosophical materialism alone has shown the proletariat the way out of spiritual slavery, in which all oppressed classes have hitherto languished. Marx's economic theory alone has explained the true position of the proletariat in the general system of capitalism. Independent organizations of the proletariat are multiplying all over the world, from America to Japan, and from Sweden to South Africa. The proletariat is becoming enlightened and educated by waging its class struggle. It is ridding itself of all the prejudices of bourgeois society. It is rallying its ranks ever more closely and is learning to gauge the, the measure of its successes. It is stealing its forces and is growing irresistibly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the book club of this mini episode i should say of the book club commune like i said this was the first time i'm reading it and i'm literally just recording it as i read it for my political organizing so i hope that it can be useful to your political organizing as well if you have uh, people who you think need to read more of lenin uh, or if just want to read more lenin and just are not familiar with this Please share this with all your comrades, to anyone you think needs to hear this. I always want people to be listening, not just to, not to me specifically, but just Marxist literature in general. There's, you know, praxis is formed out of theory, and if you don't have the theory, you can't do good praxis. So, as always, solidarity forever, and keep on reading. <laughs>